when the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. The era of automotive advances with the all-electric Polestar 2. Now with faster charging, improved EPA-estimated range of up to 320 miles, and advanced safety technology. It's time you move up to Polestar 2. What are you waiting for? Polestar 2. Experience awe-inspiring performance combined with luxury design as standard. The time is now. The all-electric Polestar 2. To learn more, book a test drive and order today at polestarcolumbus.com. Polestar 2. It's time has you are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt to go through a wild free agency period. Lots of moves, lots of things we want to break down, lots of stuff we might be hearing around the league as well. Really looking forward to this episode, one of my favorite times of year. It's time to shine, Mike, but we'll be right back with you. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. me talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Right now I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary, how do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw, and it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone, and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Allen. Deep downfield, wide open. Whew, what a busy day, Mike. 24 hours plus into tampering window. Official league year starts tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Some news right off the top. The Bills plan to tender Dane Jackson to his original round tender. Seventh round tender. That's the round he was drafted in for $2.7 million. So the Bills will be bringing back their own, looking looking like they're going to run it back, Mike. But first and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. NFL free agency is always a fun time of the year because uh, you're figuring out who's going to be coming to your team, what additions you're going to make, and then how all the teams around you uh, will look going forward. So it's a fun time. You add in March Madness on top of that. Uh, a lot to talk about uh, going forward, and I'm excited about this show. Yeah, it is. It is a great time of year. You got baseball coming up. You got March Madness. You got NFL free agency. You got NFL draft. Um, it does. It does all come come together. You got UB looking for a head coach. Um, so there is definitely a lot of things going on in our world. So we stay really busy. But Mike, we got to start. You know, we're going to start with the news. Um, you know, we're not going to break down every single ounce of of things that they just did. But we're going to start with the restructures. The Bills restructured, obviously Josh Allen and Von Miller for a needed you know, good chunk of change to get them to about 17 million as, as it speaks today. Going to take a little bit of bite out of that with Dane Jackson's $2.7 million. And obviously a signing of Connor McGovern 
um, a versatile left guard who is a great pass protection. He is very athletic. Uh, his RAS score, I tweeted out the Bills' average RAS score, 9.6. Uh, very athletic on the offensive line. They're looking for those offensive players that can utilize Josh's mobility. He likes to move around in the pocket. He might bail on the pocket a little bit earlier than normal. So that athleticism is really important to uh, the Bills and the Bills' offensive line and Aaron Cromer. How are you feeling about the Bills' O-line as it sits today, Mike? I'm honestly kind of content. I'm not saying okay. I expect it to be good, but uh, moving on from Roger Saffold is addition by subtraction, in my opinion. He was one of the worst guards in all of football last year. Connor McGovern, uh, while he is not a standout stud by any means um, that you would rate him by, uh, he is an upgrade, and he should help uh, in the pass protection uh, for Josh Allen. So, uh, I, I think the line is going to be okay. Uh, you have Aaron Cromer for a second year. Uh, hopefully they, they get a little bit better uh, underneath him. We knew they weren't moving on from Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates. The question was, uh, would they potentially get some competition for Spencer Brown? That remains to be seen. And then moving on from Saffold, getting a guy like McGovern in there, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm not expecting this to be a drastically different looking offensive line overall, but hopefully uh, this addition to uh, Mc, by McGovern uh, helps them at least from a pass protection standpoint. Yeah. And just looking at it, the Bills offensive line where it struggled at times and it struggled, you know, mightily in the, um, in the Cincinnati uh, game specifically, we got to take that into effect. Like, like, yes, that game was was not fun, um, but really I dove into some of the advanced analytics around the Bills O-line a little bit more. They have a 1.1 war, so they're much above average. Uh, they're plus 16 points in the offensive line category, meaning that their offensive line played to a plus 16 points against average. Uh, their power success was fourth in the league. Their offensive line was third in creating open lanes in the open field, seventh in adjusted sack percentage, whereas – you know, we look at PFF or we look at, you know, watching them in the snow. And at times you're like, they couldn't even block a three-man rush. It was not good against Cincinnati. I don't think anyone is saying that it was. For instance, those are all better than KC's numbers. Uh, and we all point to, like, they won because the offensive line. Now they just have Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is really good. Uh, they had Creed Humphrey, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the world. He's the best, probably the best center right now in football. So that does help their, their line calls and a couple of the things they're able to do, but all in all the other four positions, including Roger Saffold were better than a little bit of what the chiefs were able to do. Hence them letting go both of their tackles and then signing Juwan for, uh, from Jacksonville to play right tackle. And then they're going to move him to left at $20 million. So clearly they didn't think too highly of their, of their line. And then now have a gaping hole at right tackle. So I think we pumped the brakes a little bit on how negatively we impact the offensive line. They went out and got McGovern, not a huge deal, 4 million against the cap. That's a really good number, um, and it's not crippling. It's almost what Bates is making. So you have two. Bates played really good in advanced analytics. Um, he, Him and McGovern is a really good unit. You have Tommy Doyle, an athletic specimen behind him, to be able to provide some depth. And Ike Butker, a guy they really like. That interior, and then Mitch Morris, obviously. Beside a developmental prospect in the draft, I think it's looking pretty good. Uh, then you have the two tackles that, you know, they like Spencer Brown probably more than the average fan and his 10 athletic score. Um, and played hurt the most of the year. And then obviously Deion Dawkins is Deion Dawkins. They're feeling pretty good at the offensive line spot, adding in a swing tackle, either a veteran or in the draft will be necessary. But a couple, one or two players here, maybe a vet, maybe a rookie. That's about it on the O-line, Mike. And I know 
you know, many people were thinking about spending 20 million on a right tackle, taking Osiris Torrance, um, you know, pretty uh, early in the draft. Um, I, I don't know that the, with Josh Allen, they're going to dedicate those kind of resources to how they think this thing could come together. They think an influx of McGovern from Saffold is a pretty good upgrade, uh, especially being top five in pass blocking from week nine on. Um, they're feeling pretty good about what this offensive line upgrade might be able to do. Yeah, and you look at the the Bills' offensive line right now, all of the guys on their line are very high Raz players. Uh, and to basically simplify that, basically means the Bills like having tremendous athletes on their offensive line. Uh, most of them were all above a nine Raz score, which means they were all uh, above the 90th percentile for uh, being athletes based on the tests that uh, NFL teams conduct during combines and, and pro days and things like that. And really, I do expect the offensive line to take a step forward uh, this next season. I know some of the numbers that you just brought up would say that it wasn't necessarily the weakness that we per- perceived, but they were they were not strong at certain times. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to kill them. Um, there's obviously multiple reasons why they weren't uh, necessarily great at moments. But the fact that we went into this offseason thinking, oh, my God, we have to redo this offensive line. And then a month or two later, you're thinking, really, there's only one spot that has to be changed and maybe another spot where you can have competition. Um, That really says something. Uh, We need guys like Deion Dawkins to play to their potential, Mitch Morse to play to his potential. Uh, we, We knew going into last year what Ryan Bates could be so you, you really are hoping that guys like Bates and Brown can can bring it up to another level uh, from what they already have brought. We we know they have potential. We know they're athletes, but we just need to get a little bit uh, more from them and more consistency um, from them overall. But when you look at the line, it's clear what they're looking for. Pass protect pass protection is the most important thing. Uh, McGovern is a guy where if you look at PFF grades, I know we always take those with a grain of salt on this show, Kev, but pro football focus has Connor McGovern as the 13th rated guard in pass protection in the NFL, which is a very high mark. His run blocking, just close your eyes, ignore that score. It's a big reason why his overall grade uh, wasn't that solid, but from a pass protection standpoint, he's going to be an instant upgrade. And it'll be interesting to see if he slots in at left guard or right guard um, just because he's had way more success uh, during his career at the right side of the line. Yeah. Is there the possibility that Bates will move to the left side, put McGovern on the right side? Also, both were Penn State teammates around the same time. So they have some flexibility with how they want to go forward. Yeah, and we got producer AJ down in – our uh, listener section he'll be bringing us any news or notes if we need anything as we're on air so um you know if anything happens while we're here which you never know um news has been known to break it's 7 15 eastern uh things can happen at any time i got the team working hard to bring us some maybe behind the scenes footage uh, mike as we now get into it a little bit more you spent a little the first part of the show talking o-line it's great dandy um i think it's in a pretty solid spot Let's kind of look at what potentially the Bills could do. And right now today, they just, you know, apparently tendered Dane Jackson. I believe that's a true report. Um, So that's going to be added into the DBs. 2.7 is rough for me. He's not necessarily – I've had my disdain with him. Um, He's not my favorite corner in the world. 
if they think he's a scheme fit and they think he can provide some veteran depth, fine. But I definitely want to see a year that it's fully Kyrie Elam and fully uh, Tredavious White with uh, Taron Johnson starting at corner. So I think Dane Jackson's just that vet presence that's going to be this year. They don't have to do much. Just slap him a tender. You go on your way. Sure, like it's not amazing, amazing value, but I think they feel okay with it. Uh, but I think the most important thing here, Mike, is getting into losing Tremaine Edmonds to a big deal to Chicago. Um, you know, fairly sizable offer, a lot of guaranteed money. They kind of upfront loaded it to pull him away. We kind of figured that. We knew that there wasn't a good likelihood he'd return. Uh, and that leaves one remaining free agent, Jordan Poyer, who's still on the open market right now. Uh, safety market's moving pretty slow other than Jesse Bates. Von Bell didn't get all that much money. There's been a couple of other names that have come, come off the board before him as well. Could something get done hypothetically with Jordan? Could we finally pick up the phone and call? Maybe uh, it's possible that maybe they'll get back into this uh, this race here. But where do you stand with losing admins? You know, Poyer still being out there. Kind of where, where, where where's your head at knowing that, hey, we're going to run this back, but no admins and Poyer's still floating around. Yeah, the admin stuff is pretty much what we thought would happen the past week or two. Uh, going into the offseason, I still thought there was a solid chance the Bills were going to resign Edmonds and, and bring him here, bring him back. And the main reason you invested so much in him early in his career, uh, trading up to draft him in the first round, uh, obviously developing him. It, I didn't think they were going to just let him go for nothing um, entering the season. But it, it became apparent the closer that free agency came that uh, Edmonds knew he was going to get a bag of cash and Chicago was there and offered him a lot of money. You talk about that, that 18 million per number. That's, that's a crazy number uh, for him. Good for him to, to get it, but there was no way that you could justify the bills paying that type of money for Edmonds with some of their other needs uh, on this roster, also with their salary cap situation. So it's tough credit to Chicago for, for targeting a guy that they wanted and making their splash, but don't blame the bills at all for letting him walk. As far as Jordan Poyer, it's going to be interesting how this plays out. You and I have uh, pretty much assumed since back in training camp, I, I would say, that Poyer was most likely on his way out. Uh, we, we know that the Bills hadn't made an offer and that there really wasn't much back and forth between uh, either side. Now, with this safety market playing the way it is, it is something to track. I still wouldn't expect Poyer to circle back to the Bills, but I guess I couldn't necessarily rule it out just because you're seeing a lot of his options uh, go by the wayside at this current moment. And you have to, to wonder, is it going to get to the point where he doesn't get the offer that he's looking for and decides to come back? I think it's still pretty early in the process to get to that point, but but we'll see in time. As far as the the restructures with Josh Vaughn, they had to do that. I know people last night were were getting excited talking about big baller being bills after dark. They they needed to do those moves just to be salary cap compliant and have space to make a few moves. Like you said, Kev, entering today with about seventeen million in cap room, it, it, they still don't have a ton of money to be overly aggressive here. So it it will be interesting how they decide to replace Edmonds, how they were decide to replace uh, Poirier if he ends up going somewhere, because there are go going to be some holes on this roster going forward. 
Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. They've extended out Milano, saved $6 million. A couple other restructures they could do, $6 million if you want to extend out Dig, $6 million more if you want to uh, um, restructure Tredavious White. You obviously can um, give uh, Morse or uh, Micah Hyde, or even if you want to go the route of Daquan Jones to extend them out, you could save some cap space with those three. And then lastly, uh, you can always look at doing something with Ed Oliver and his 10.75 million. Uh, will they do something there? Nothing we've heard of yet. We'll go down with Ed, but that's a lot of guaranteed money. We'll see how that looks. You could extend him out by all uh, by all means. It looks like they may have tried to extend him out. Maybe they thought they could get a value now, like so they don't get into a training admin situation where he plays real good on his fifth year, and then you don't get to see the fruits of his labor next year. So it seems seemingly, you know, Ed had the big tweet of. Uh, show me the show me the money or I'm gonna get paid or I can't quite remember the exact phrasing on uh, on his tweet. So somewhere along those lines, he feels like he's due to a payday. The DTs are getting pay, uh, paid right now. The Bills probably try to get in there early to lower that 10-7 as well as maybe get the player for a little bit longer. So, you know, between Diggs and Tredavious White, uh, there could be some extra money there that you can go to. And then, you know, obviously Dawkins as well at 6.3. You can, uh, you can dip in to see if... Uh, uh, you're willing to uh, save some money that way. Taron Johnson's another extension uh, candidate as well. So there's definitely some moves that could still be maneuvered here. You just didn't need to do them this second and upfront. So um, it's very interesting to see how the money situation is going to play out. But I do believe they're in good position. Uh, the defense is going to be, you know, in fairly good shape in terms of they need to find something with linebacker probably in the draft will they go Bobby Wagner you know he was linked to Dallas throughout this process Dallas just re-upped Leighton Vander Esch uh so we'll see exactly well the Bills jump in on, on, on Bobby Wagner can they can get a third round pick right now in the compensatory uh, formula they need to be careful and protect that top hundred pick that's coming to them for free um so they need to make sure they're paying attention to that as they're deciding if they're going to go with Levante David a Bobby Wagner or what they're going to do at the linebacker position same with safety you know, if you sign a Jordan Poirier, let's just say you bring him back, you have to factor that into that third round pick. Let's say you let him go, that would open up more picks for losing in the compensatory um, selection. So that's pretty straightforward in the defense, but I wanted to transition to offense for a moment, Mike, um, and talk to you about O. And I think that that's a really important unit right now and one that the Bills, in my opinion, are doing their due diligence on. And we'll get back into that after a moment from our sponsor, Sons of Erie. This show is brought to you by Sons of Erie. Check them out, Instagram.com slash Sons of Erie. Mike, as we look into the def- our offense, excuse me, I know you're probably, you know, you'll tell, I'll let you start off with what you think we should do at running back. Um, you know, there is a third running back position, whether you, wherever you want to put them on the depth chart open right now. I'm going to start with your idea of what you want to do there, and then I'll kind of give you what I what I think might happen. So first off, I, I want to address something that I said last week. Okay. I, I said some dumb things about running back at first. Uh, I, I've been a fan of not spending a lot of money at, on the position. And I, I, I stick with that. I, I still believe spending a lot of money at, at running back is not really smart in the, the current NFL uh, market. I was happy they were able to rework Heinz contract a little bit. The, the cap hit is still a little bit uh, higher than I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. I'm not, 
against him remaining on the team. Uh, last week when we were looking at the free agent possibilities, um, I said wait it out and then get whoever the cheapest option was. Uh, I mentioned Kareem Hunt. Probably not the smartest move overall. I, I thought he might be a bargain based on uh, his past and uh, also Brandon Bean's interest in him, uh, supposed interest at times. He is kind of similar to what James Cook would bring to the table. I don't think I would go in that direction. I, I know people have linked Jamal Williams uh, to the Bills. If he was able or willing to come to Buffalo on a, on a cheap contract, I would not be against that. Uh, uh, Dante Foreman um, wouldn't be against that either. But realistically, I I don't know if now that you have Hines basically it locked in at his number, if it really makes sense to to go out and be aggressive at the position. I'm okay if they, they draft one in the middle later rounds. If they decide to make a move for one, I'm not against it. But I... I I really don't have a huge preference either way. If they were going to bring someone in, I would prefer it to be someone that um, has a contrasting style to what we have in Cook Cook and Hines and and maybe get someone that's a little bit more power that can uh, be a short yardage back, Uh, but not a huge preference either way uh, as far as running back. There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepare students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Okay. Um, I think that the the world's their oyster at running back. I think that it's one of the best and biggest free agent running back classes maybe in the history of the league. At some point, either everyone's available, Austin Eckler, um, Derek Henry, Delvin Cook by trade via trade, or that's a plethora of free agents available. Miami just re-upped their own today. Other than that, there's been no uh, moves at the running back position yet. And I think because of those big wigs, everyone's checking in on Eckler, everyone's checking in on Henry. There's been no need to go out and rush to sign a free agent. Miami felt the need to get theirs, their two guys re-signed. Good for them. Uh, gave uh, you know a uh, total of an $8 million deal to Jeff Wilson and a $7 million deal to uh, Raheem Mostert going back to Miami. But at the running back position, the rest of the world is there. I mean, you don't need to rush at the running back room right now. You have guys like David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, who could be a scheme fit, who could work with his uh, remaining two offensive linemen buddies, McGovern and Bates back in college at Penn state. So he could be a natural fit there. You have to a lesser extent, you have guys like, you know, Deontay Foreman, who's shown that he can carry the rock at times when even Latavius Murray from Denver uh, is an interesting uh, one to keep an eye on as well. So there's a couple of lower end free agents as well. And then, you know, we'll get into the draft at a different time. Um, You know, we can talk about the draft 
in, 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 in running back terms, if they feel like they want to go with a high end guy, but there's some very intriguing names out there. And one that I do believe the bills play in this because it's so talented and it's going to come cheap. They've been linked to Jamal Williams really the entire time here. Just a little bit of rumblings around Miles Sanders, some rumblings around Dalvin Cook. Um, there's definitely some some really great options, and I think the Bills are going to play in this running back room. I know I don't think it's kind of one of those things where they're just going to default to the the vet minimum guy in two weeks. I do think that you'll see at least a medium tier running back at a, at a decent pay, but but not not expensive. Um, it's not going to be anything crazy. I think that they're going to be able to get it. They just paid Dane Jackson two seven. I don't think it's going to be much more than that. So um, I think that they, you can get a guy that is uh, going to come in and help. I just gave you the offensive line stats, fourth in power running um, in all their advanced metrics, Mike. So I think that they'd like to utilize that a little bit. And 32nd in the league in uh, running back carries. Yeah, and you, you mentioned some good names. My, my view is just wait it out. There's no need to be aggressive and make an early move uh, in this market. We haven't seen many big running back signings to this point. Uh, obviously, there's some talk talks about trade bait. I just I don't see the rush to it. It, it. If you miss out on a guy, who cares? There's a million other guys out there that are more than suitable. I don't think if, if I had to pick a guy, Jamal Williams is an interesting player. But even when you look at Jamal Williams, outside of his season last year in Detroit, what really has he been for most of his career? I mean, he, he he's a powerful back. He was obviously a bulldozer in the red zone this past year. But besides that, really modest results. And how often do the Bills truly utilize uh, the running game? Now, that is a point of contention where getting into the colder months, November, December, January, they're going to have to rely and lean on uh, running the ball more. Um, so, you, you can't just completely ignore it, but I, I think the approach to the running game is be patient. Uh, you have a couple decent guys uh, in your backfield already. And if someone's willing to come to you on a bargain, uh, that's the way to go. I would not spend uh, decent assets to go after an Austin Eckler uh, or Dalvin cook as intriguing as those names are. I don't really I don't really know what the upside or value would be to your team to add either of them. Obviously they, they add another dynamic to your offense, but uh, I don't know if it's worth what you would end up giving to, to acquire either of them or what you'd be paying them in cap. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I personally like obviously the idea of running back a little bit more than maybe you do. Um, but what do you, what do you think? Let's, let's go. I've talked about O-line. Let's go to your receiver opinion. What do you think? You know, we got some cryptic tweets out there. Big baller being tweets from Isaiah McKenzie uh, going on there right now. What's your opinion on the receiver room? Mike, do you feel the same way as you do at running back? Or do you think that it's time to get Josh some type of better asset? I think we need better receivers. I, I respect the comment, Walter, but uh, I disagree. I would rather be spending $10, $11 million on receivers that can help our room than uh, a running back. Eckler is one of those special guys where, yes, he's so dynamic in the passing game that you can make an exception for a guy like that. What are you going to have to give up to acquire him, though, uh, on top of what you're going to pay him in salary? Overall, I, I felt like the biggest 
need on this offense last year besides improving the offensive line was finding a slot receiver that Josh can uh, depend on and have confidence in. It was clear that Josh had no confidence in Isaiah McKenzie as that slot guy last year. Obviously, Jamison Crowder was supposed to play that role as well. But the one biggest one of the biggest differences from the Dable years as offensive coordinator and then uh, last year under Ken Dorsey was Allen didn't utilize the middle of the field. Why was that? Because he didn't have a guy that he could depend on uh, in the slot. And I, I really do think that's something the Bills, if they find it on the offense, could be a game changer. I don't really like the options remaining in free agency. So you're going to hear me hammer down uh, the the guys at the top of the draft, as I have been for the past month. But if you got – if the Bills added uh, a Zay Flowers, if they added a Jackson Smith and Jigba, even some of these other guys that are going to be potential second-round guys, uh, like a, a Downs, and you can go on and on with some of the names in the draft. I do think that's something that can really help the Bills' offense. Now, I think the first-round guys are guys that could come in immediately and make a difference. I don't know about some of the later guys – as far as immediate impact. But um, that, that's my biggest question. I hope that Khalil Shakir uh, can be a dependable receiver this year, but I'm not willing to 100% go into uh, the next season with all my hopes in a second-year wide receiver making a massive jump uh, that was a fifth-round pick next year. Uh, I, I'm not against him making it, but I would rather invest in someone else at this moment in – if Khalil Shakir wins a three job, good for him. I'm also okay with him being the four. Um, but one way or another, find a, find a guy that's going to be helpful in the slot. I agree. I think the Bills are going to figure out receiver. I think this is a huge position for them. I think that they've talked about rack all offseason. Brandon Bean will continue to talk about rack. Um, and reception ability and ability to make plays it doesn't necessarily need to be rack. It doesn't necessarily need to be yak. Um, they want a combination of ways to, to make a play with the ball in their hands. And it could come at, in my opinion, it's going to come at the receiver position. I don't believe the bills are going to stand pat and run it back out on offense. I do think that where they may lean toward that a ways in defense, I don't believe that's going to be their expectation. Obviously they've already filled left guard, I do believe that they're going to bring um, some form of talented receiver. We see Adam Thielen on a visit to, to Carolina right now, speaking of um, speaking of receiver. But I think that in a way, the Bills' number one need right now after, in my opinion, at least securing guard is, is receiver. I think that that's very important. You have Gabe Davis on a one-year deal. You have Isaiah McKenzie, most likely. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. You have Crowder not really working out. You have, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to bring back Beasley or John Brown. So you're really looking at Khalil Shakir right now beyond you know, Khalil Shakir. From the outside, the, the OBJ chatter still exists. I think yes. we've all gone through some fatigue with the OBJ talk. Obviously, you and I haven't even mentioned it once on our show yet today uh, until 30 minutes in. If the Bills do have an idea to add OBJ, yes, he would – definitely help improve this receiving core overnight. I, I think the main reason I've been quiet about it the last couple of weeks is the rumors of the $20 million uh, price tag per year that he supposedly wants would just be a ridiculous amount to give him. I would stay far away from that, from that number. 
uh, I would need to be almost half of that to really uh, consider it from a Bills standpoint. But there is reason to think that the Bills are still a possibility for for him, and there are some analysts that think that the Bills are still interested. One other name, a Paris Campbell, uh, if they wanted to look at uh, someone in the mid-tier level. You and I both were high on Jacoby Myers, but I was actually surprised how little that he got from the Raiders. I never expected the Bills to be in contention for him, and which they weren't, but that was a guy I would have been interested in the Bills pursuing had they had more cap space going into this offseason. Just a situation where when you're in – obviously the Bills can do restructures. They can push mm-hmm. that that cap back. But you, you don't want to constantly be doing that every single year because eventually you do get put in a situation where you're paying for it. Uh, it might seem like you're just uh, always helping yourself out, but you eventually do have some ramifications uh, for – consistently restructuring all these deals sure do and we just saw Jabril peppers fly off the board safety to new england so the safety market's thinning out a little bit more and more um he has shown to be a pretty good role player there in new england as a team that may have needed a safety uh due to retirement so we'll see how that looks but the bills can still play this like you want him to do it running back mike is how i kind of want to do it at safety i want to play this out and i want to see what comes to them with some still some good names, uh, Rodney McLeod, obviously Poyer, uh, Taylor Rapp, John Johnson, uh, who said to be interested in the Chargers, Juan Thornhill, Julian Love, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So there's definitely some names there that I think the Bills can stay patient and get a starting level safety in this thing and have it work out in their favor rather than jump the gun and uh, really pursue safety strong in the beginning. I think they played it right at safety. Uh, I think they're doing yeah. everything right. And I got a question for you, Kev, when we're while talking about safety. And I don't intend for this to be disrespectful to Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde. They are tremendous safeties. They have both been all pros within the last two seasons. They're Pro Bowl caliber guys. But knowing the Bills coaching staff, the way we do watching all their games and mm-hmm. knowing how big of believers they are in their own scheme. When they acquired Jordan Poyer, he was kind of a, he was a bargain that ended up develop developing into a Pro Bowl All Pro type player. Do you get the sense that there might be some I don't know arrogance or some self belief that the Bills coaching staff believes we can get another average safety, plug him in, give him an off season, and that there will not be a dramatic drop off overall because of the scheme that we run. You do you get that sense from the Bills coaching staff. It's almost the 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 self-belief that the system is more important than the collection of players. I and I don't want to just entirely assume that, but I do get the sense that they do believe that to a point uh that it is their system in place that is responsible for a lot of the success and individual success of some of the players on the team. I think when it first came in, if you ask Sean McDermott, he'll probably say that that's true. I think in a year where he's taking over, most likely taking over defensive play calls, and he's working on other things and getting game management and now with a winning team, I don't know that his number one thing he wants to focus on is to make sure he gets another high-player combo 
you can worry about that when you're trying to get the most out of your players with a limited roster, not in your Super Bowl window starting up. I do believe it's better to maybe get a more sure thing this year, um, especially in a year you're losing Tremaine Admins. We don't know what's going to happen to Ed Oliver. We're not really sure, um, you know, how they approach that when Von Miller's back. I think that you need a more for sure thing now. I think he'll tell you he can do that. I think you can, you know, go down the list and say like a Nasser Adderley, um, you know, whoever, Rudy Ford, whoever it might be that's a that's a free agent, even a, a, a Terrell Admins that they can get the most out of. Um, but I don't know that that's the number one plan right now. If that's their only one position that they're working toward developing someone on a low veteran free agent, I could see that, but they have to also have rookies to worry about here developing you know, that Kyrie Elam, James Cook. Um, you know, what are we going to do with Terrell Bernard? What are they going to do with aforementioned? Uh, uh, we totally talk about all the time, Khalil Shakir. So I think like that, and then the rookie class this year coming in, I don't know that he can focus as much on the safety room as he could have maybe in, in 2017. So to me, I think that they're going to want a more for sure thing. One of those guys I mentioned before, whether it's McLeod, whether it's rap, whether it's John Johnson or Julian love Juan Thornhill, CJ uh, Gardner Johnson um, or Jordan Poyer, they're going to want a guy that can come in and be a, a stout safety because they're already right now, as it sits right this minute need to work on that with middle linebacker. So whether yeah. it's, transitioning Milano over. He got that extension for two years. Uh, does that mean he gets to the dot and might go to a, a really, he's really good inside the box. Moving him over to middle is, is maybe that's the move. And then you get Terrell Bernard on the field. And that's going to take a lot of attention with Bobby Babbage jr. And Sean McDermott, that's going to take a lot of attention. So do you want to make sure you're developing a safety behind that? I don't buy it. I think that if there was one place that they might throw another buck to, it's going to be like, how far can we stretch safety? But meanwhile, getting a good value for whatever player this is, the way the market's flowing, beside Jesse Bates, uh, really no one else has gotten paid. I think you need an aggressive style safety. So I like a Taylor Rep. Um, maybe it is Jordan Poyer returning or a CJ Gardner Johnson who can do a little bit of everything who helped fuel the Philly defense into the Super Bowl. So there's a couple of different ways I want to go with this, but I don't know that I'm into unless it's a high-end rookie, unless it's a really high-potential rookie, that I'm that into the vet, uh, the vet Poyer route at safety, unless it's this version of Jordan Poyer. So, Kev, if I, if I had to give you three options, sign a, a mid-level vet, bring back Poyer, or draft someone in the first or second round, what do you think is the most likely scenario at this moment? I don't know they're going to go the rookie route. So at this stage, I'm going to rule that out for now. Um, I think I don't know how high in the market they can play. I would kind of consider Jordan Poyer and mid-level vet in the same category. Obviously, Jordan Poyer is a little bit better, but his age might knock him down a little bit. I'd like to see what we're able to do if Jordan Poyer's market continues to soften and continues to like, let's get this thing together. You need a safe, you need a, you need a place to play. You know us, we need a safety. We'll see if that can amount to anything or, or not. Um, and then I like the vet free agent safety route. So as high of that middle tier as you can get, um, you know, how high can you get into that? Like, you know, you saw Thorn Thornhill win. I like Julian Love a little bit. I like John Johnson. He doesn't count against the compensation formula. So I think that you need to, to, to look at that a little bit is, um, I'd like to play in the minimum mid tier to upper middle tier 
uh, safety market to see the best value you can get and just kind of tick down the list until value matches up to skill. But yeah, I don't know that I want to go all the way down, but don't forget the Bills gave a decent deal to Poyer. At the time, it was like, what? That's a pretty decent, it wasn't like a, a Phillips deal where you claimed him off waivers, one for one and a half, you know, one year, one and a half million. You know, he got a sizable multi-year contract. They found something specific in his play that they're like, okay, this is a fit, but it wasn't free. He wasn't expensive, expensive, but I would put him in when we signed him and, and Hyde, especially, you know, Hyde was upper middle class. You know, Poyer was Poyer lower was middle class. Standing. He, he was the player when he first came to Buffalo. People are like, who is this guy? Uh, right. In obviously an instant day one starter. So when I say bargain, he, he wasn't a known commodity when he first came to Buffalo. He developed into a player. Obviously, he yeah. dealt with injuries and opportunities, uh, lack of opportunities in his previous stints. Now, it, it, what is interesting is how DeMar Hamlin's health plays into the Bills' future thinking at safety. Uh, right now, we're all obviously under the assumption that he's probably not playing this upcoming season, or at least that's what most of the fans are, are thinking at this point in time. Do the Bills still have long-term plans for DeMar, DeMar Hamlin, do they think it's a possibility he could ever return? They can't plan this offseason based on that at this point in time. So if he was healthy, would the Bills be even addressing safety this offseason? I'd say probably not. They would probably go into the year with Hyde and, and Hamlin and be content with that, Kev. I don't know if you agree, but if not for the, the DeMar Hamlin incident, I, I think he would be one of the starting safeties on this team going forward. I don't know what way they're going to go. Uh, there are some quality safeties in the mid-round uh, area. You're looking day two guys um, that are going to be available to the Bills. If the Bills take someone in the second, third round at safety, you would have to think they're going to be starting day one uh, on this squad. So it'll be interesting if they attack that position or not. Uh, regardless, uh, I'm not overly concerned because you're going to have Micah Hyde back next year, and that gives you a little bit of that security blanket either way, uh, especially since most of this year we were playing with Poyer in, in backups next to him. So um, there's a lot of different ways they can attack it. I'm okay whatever direction they go with. I agree. So I think that if I, if I do, to your point, though, if I do feel okay at a position, it's probably safety. I, re I mean, I really do feel like they're going to get the most out of him. I do think that Hamlin was well on his way, and that was kind of the transition play naturally. I'm more concerned about linebacker is yeah. deep down. Yeah, so I think safety will get figured out um, as we kind of continue to look at middle linebacker. Mike, what's your play now? So we talked a lot about safety. I um, mean, we're not, you know, neither of I think we both agree we're not overly concerned there at that position. Let's go to middle linebacker for a second. Do you like the Milano over Bernard in? Will's a heck of a lot easier to find. Um, there's a lot of wills in this draft. It's easier to find. You know, you might even have one on your roster. Do you like that move? Do you like nah, keep him at will? Let's do whatever we can to find a middle. Like we're we're like let's go the veteran route to to Wagner or uh, Levante David, or is it let's go rookie there? Let's go Jack Campbell. Let's go Simpson, um, Drew Sanders. Where are you feeling like the right move is now? You said you're more nervous at, at middle linebacker. I think you pay in Milano to move over, in my opinion, at this stage, unless something changes. Do you put that on him and get a, a really good will and have this really aggressive, athletic linebacking core um, of that I think could get the job done? I, I'm concerned about 
about linebacker. I, I feel like people have vastly underrated Tremaine Edmonds uh, in the last couple seasons. In the beginning, obviously, he was overrated by by many fans, analysts, and stuff like that. But in the last couple of years, he's really stepped up, and you could see uh, his impact just based off of when he wasn't on the field. The Bills' defense looked completely different. Uh, I, I still think about that Minnesota game where in the first half, Bills were controlling the game. He goes out at halftime, and they couldn't stop anything uh, after after halftime. So it's a, it's a curious it's a curious move. Obviously, I understand why they had to let him go. Then you give the extension to Milano. Do you really want to move him? Uh, there's some risk involved with that, especially him having all the success that he's had uh, in recent years where he's been at. Is Bernard really ready to step up? Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Welcome to BreezeLine, where you'll get a Cyber Monday deal on lightning-fast internet to shop quickly and securely this holiday season. Get 500 megabits internet for $39.99 per month and a $100 Visa prepaid reward card when you order online, just in time for the holidays. Plus, free Wi-Fi your way to keep cyber threats out and shopping safe. Wrap up this deal and stay secure all year long. Terms and conditions apply. Offer ends November 30th. Learn more at breezeline.com. I, I don't know if he's shown anything that would tell me he's ready to be an NFL starter at this point. I'm not against exploring the possibility. Obviously, the coaches see everything every day in practice. I need a vet right now, Kev. I, I need someone I I to agree. go alongside Milano. If you're telling me you're going to put a second-year player at – linebacker next to Milano and then you're talking about maybe an inexperienced or younger person at safety and we all we all know the vulnerability that was there in the secondary last year when the Bills uh, Bills defensive line wasn't creating a pass rush and they were exposed um, multiple times in the secondary last year I'm going to be concerned if we don't have a veteran presence uh, in the middle I would like them I would like them to go after Levante David if that's still uh, on the table I don't know what the money would be, but if he's willing to come to Buffalo and uh, fill that gap and uh, not be a costly contract, I, I think that's something where you can you can bring him on for a year or two and, and really help at least solidify the middle of this defense for, for another couple of years. And lastly, Mike, you didn't answer. How do you feel about Milano moving to middle? What is your opinion on that? I mean, I, I, I don't – have a super strong feeling either way. I'm okay with it. If, if the Bills coaching staff thinks that's what's for the best, I'm all for it. Uh, I guess I, I just, it's not something I, I've thought very deeply about just because okay. all of this Tremaine stuff uh, just broke in uh, the last couple of days, obviously. And before then, up until a month ago, I, I was under the thought process. The Bills would somehow find a way to keep him, but it's, it's the off season explore whatever ideas you have for, for the defense. And I'm okay with it. Some other names to look at uh, beside just uh, Levante, David drew tranquil. I got that has versatility. Uh, he rushes the passer really well. He could be a good combo 
uh, mixture linebacker, Bobby Wagner, a guy that's done it at a high level in this league, ranks out at, as number one linebacker in a lot of different statistics, a lot of different categories, whether it's advanced statistics, uh, SIS, um, or with PFF. Uh, he grades out really well. Uh, Walker Jr. is another guy to look after. Uh, he's a guy that you can continue to get the job done as well. Um, so he's, you know, from Cleveland, he's, he's a pretty good Denzel Perryman, Rashawn Evans, Holcomb from Washington, Devin Bush, um, you know, Anthony Barr's done it at a high level. You know, he's kind of getting a little bit long in the tooth as well, but there are some names there, at least at that level where I'd feel a little bit better with than others. Um, but really I still want to entertain the idea of Wagner and David as being the top two, uh, by far there. And Wagner also doesn't mess with your compensation formula. So I really want to see what we can get done with, with Wagner. I think it's worth finding out what he'd ask for and to see if it's a good fit. Linebacking has been an, an affordable unit beside Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, Jermaine Pratt started this all off at 7 million. It wasn't crazy. Um, you know, and everyone else has gone kind of underneath that. Um, so between four to six, four to seven, I don't see the issue with that contract range. We're not breaking the bank two years, 12 million for Bobby Wagner, two years, 12 for Levante David. They can come and quarterback this defense with Matt Milano on a defensive staff uh, with some really good defensive players like Von Miller. I do think that's the situation for a Wagner or a Levante David. That's what they're looking for. A competitive team, middle linebacker away defensively, at least. And then you can secure that. So guess what? The bills can then go utilize draft assets at least short term elsewhere to help you win, um, to help you win. So I'm really about Bobby Wagner. I think he plays at a high level, still number the number one rated linebacker in so many metrics. I think we're sleeping on him. He's actually younger than Levante David. You would think Bobby Wagner's like 40, um, but he's actually younger than Levante David. And he's not that much. He was one year older than Eric Kendricks, another guy that was much talked about who also didn't get that much money here in free agency who I would have liked. So, um, Mike, got one for you. AJ wants us to pick one. Henry Hopkins, Judy Eckler, or Delvin Cook? Uh, where do you, you got to pick one? That's it. That's that's all that's left for the Bills. <laughs> um, who gets, who makes us better today, right now? Pull the trigger, put the paperwork in. This is actually a pretty easy one for me. Wow. I, I, I don't think I have the popular opinion or answer on this, but I'm going Judy on this one. I don't need a 29-year-old running back in Henry who's going to command a, a big salary. And, yeah, he can help you out a little bit on short yardage, but he actually regressed in some areas uh, last year. Hopkins, yeah, elite player, but also what are you getting going forward? I'm, I'm trying to make sure I have a team that's going to be good years to come. I'm not looking for uh, one or two years out of him, especially when we've already seen investing in some of these uh, great players doesn't pay off. Uh, I want as many opportunities to be good uh, for as long as I can be good. So Hopkins, I'll throw out there. Eckler and Cook, they're intriguing. Uh, obviously, Eckler is one of those special backs that he's so dynamic uh, as a receiver and pass catcher that he really adds a dimension to your offense that you really don't get from maybe any other running back outside of a Christian McCaffrey uh, in the league. That said, Eckler is going to be expensive. And is Josh Allen really the quarterback that is going to utilize an Austin Eckler and bring out the best out of him? Allen is a tremendous QB, but there's a reason why the Bills offense does some of the things that they do. And there's a reason why they ignore some of the short aspects that many of the good West Coast offenses and many of 
the Bills' opponents are able to, to capitalize on. And it's some of his offensive line, some of it is the way Allen likes to play. Uh, so Eckler, it'd be fun, but I, I just don't see that being realistic. And Delvin Cook, it, it'd be great to have the, the brothers reunited, but I think Judy offers what the Bills need. Um, he is young. He's still on a manageable contract right now. Obviously, if he does well, he's going to get uh, his money going forward. Former first-round pick, considered very high upside. I don't think he's seen that in Denver yet, partially due to the situation. This first couple of years, he was with a head coach that really neglected offense. That, and then even last year, Russell Wilson and Nate Hackett were a mess. You get Judy on a team with a decent quarterback, I think he's a 1,000-yard receiver. So – I know some people talking about Sutton being better than than Judy. I, I respect that opinion, but Sutton really is a bigger name than he is a talent. He he. Everybody talks him up, but if you really look in deeper th- with the numbers, is he much better than Gabe Davis? I, I don't know if Sutton really is a, a way better player than Gabe. So out of those guys, I, I'm picking Judy, Kev. Yeah, and what's that's – Probably, honestly, the way I'm going to go with that, too, in that list. But I think you still got to keep an eye on Odell Beckham Jr. He is a guy that I think has this rap of being washed and over the edge and just not there. He's, first of all, younger than a guy that just got traded for a third-round pick who hasn't been very good lately in Darren Waller. He has been good since 2020. We can all remember the 2020 Darren Waller. He's missed 17 games over the last two years. He has that elite athleticism and profile. He's been in and out of lineups. Um, I'm not a huge huge um uh waller fan just due to his availability um so you look at that he he commanded the late third round pick odell beckham jr is younger than darren waller he looks like a beast working out he looks like he gained some muscle um you know uh he is just absolutely punishing uh he is a rack monster he is said to be you know ready to go and i think he could add a huge dynamic to the bills roster and doesn't cost you a draft choice either. Like Jerry Judy's going to cost you. I love Jerry Judy. We've we've talked about what he could cost you. I think we've settled on a second. But do they Denver? Does Denver even do it at a second? I I just don't know if they do. You know, you have Chase Claypool who went for the thirty second overall pick. You had Hollywood Brown that went for a first. Obviously, AJ Brown went for a first plus. But at some point, he's at worth at least a second. Um, and I and I and I would entertain that needs a monster deal. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. could come short term. I think he is easier to plug and play, in my opinion. But I love Jerry Judy. He 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 would be who I would choose as well. But I'm just not getting off of Odell Beckham Jr. We've been following him around. We have his medicals. We've researched him. He's hung out with private chefs with with uh, Vaughn and and um, Josh and Stefan. He's you know been courted. We've been in, in this thing from the beginning. We've done our research. He is the guy that we've seemingly liked. We have his medicals. He looks great. Um, at some point he might just be a good fit for the offense. And we have to realize that. And uh, we'll see what, you know, what number we're willing to go to for Odell Beckham Jr. Mike, we've talked about Odell Beckham Jr. On this show, the going deep podcast from the cover one sports network and sponsored by our favorite fans at uh, sons of Erie. So please check them out. Instagram.com slash sons of Erie. But we've talked about Odell Beckham Jr. On this show for the betterment of five months. So I think at some point we've been there and what he's able to do for this, this offense and his versatility inside outside what he's going to do. 
but he doesn't cost an asset. He doesn't count against a compensation formula. I think he's somebody that's still very high. And until his domino falls and he goes to the Jets or Cowboys or wherever he may go, I think the Bills are going to be in it till the end. And that might put in motion some other moves. But Mike can't leave out Oda Beckham Jr. We got to make it full circle. Hopefully this might be, unless he signs, this might be the last time he comes up. I do think that this time next Tuesday, he should be on a roster finally. Hopefully, because I'm tired of talking about it, Kev. Yeah, and well. I, I see the comment here that uh, OBJ is washed up and a waste of money like Vaughn is. I, I don't agree with that. I, you could make an argument that he is not worth $20 million a year, which I think is obvious. You could make an argument that he is not worth substantial money in free agency. But I can't make an argument that he's washed up. The last time we saw him play, he was on pace to win the Super Bowl MVP prior to, to tearing his ACL again. Now, we don't know how he's going to come back from that. That is that is the big question mark. Is he going to be half the player he was before? Is he going to be 75% of the player? Or is he going to somehow still be close to what the, the same OBJ we come to expect throughout the years? I don't think he's a superstar anymore. Um, he's not the guy that we, we remember on the Giants making one-handed catches. That said, if you put him in the slot, you put him as the number two or three wide receiver on this team uh, in targets, it, could he get you 60 catches, 750 yards, and seven touchdowns? I wouldn't rule that out. I, I wouldn't guarantee it, but I wouldn't rule it out. Rule it out. Um, the question is, what what type of money do you pay for for a guy like that, obviously he's asking for twenty million. That's ridiculous. No one on earth is going to give Odell Beckham Jr. twenty million coming off of his injury with the ACL in the current receiver market. Jacoby Myers is getting eleven million a year. There's no way that OBJ or any team can justify doubling that. So we'll see how it how it pans out. And I do agree with Walter here. Washed up and overrated are two of the most overused and misused phrases nowadays. They are. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, to say someone's washed up that can still produce at a high level, that's that's premature. Now, could he be overrated? Yeah, that, I definitely could agree with someone saying that he's overrated if you're still thinking about OBJ the way he did, the way you did a decade ago. But we'll see what OBJ ends up going for, what, where he ends up signing. Um even what type of role he has on a team as a slot or outside receiver. He's a guy that is uniquely skilled. And if you put him on the Bills offense, I feel confident he could fit whatever role they were looking for him to play. Yeah. And he can do everything. I mean, he can do it all. Like that's the thing to always know about OBJ is that he is a beast in multiple different settings. And, you know, he's really, I mean, when has he had a quarterback lately, Mike? Also, well, outside of LA. I guess, yeah, I guess Stafford um, at the t- tail end of the Stafford thing, not during the, the Baker like blow up. Um, so like, I mean, did the, the tail end of the Giants hold, you know, kind of their whole regime come into a close. Uh, so I, I just think that Odell Beckham Jr. could still bring it um, from, you know, Uh, a really great perspective. He plays everywhere. You know, he plays inside, outside, he plays 85% out wide. So a lot of people are like, we need that boundary. We need that boundary. Odell Beckham Jr. Can play outside. He isn't just a power slot. He plays slot too. you know, around 20% of the time, uh, depending on uh, the team and exactly how he's utilized, but he does a lot of different things. 
30% in the slot dip, 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 differentiating year, 70% out wide. He does both really well and can run any route tree. So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't need a slot, whatever. He's not a slot. He's a he's an outside receiver and a really good one. Um, so I just think that when Jacoby Myers, someone we've talked about on the show as well, gets 11, Alan Lazar gets 11, you know, 10, 11 in there too. Uh, at some point, like Odell can't ask for much more than that. Um, you know, two for 20 uh, with some void years. Yeah, I'd say no no way he should be getting any more than Jacoby Myers right now. If you told me, would you yeah. rather have Jacoby Myers or OBJ? I'm taking Jacoby Myers because the youth, because of his ability mm-hmm. um, where he plays and how that can make a tremendous impact on the Bills. So uh, if, if the Bills had a decision, well, we're going to pay OBJ two for 30 or you had three for 33 for Jacoby Myers. I'm taking Myers over OBJ, but I think deep down there is a number that OBJ will sign for. And now that he is working out for a lot more teams, we'll figure out a more realistic number in the upcoming days, weeks, whenever that point gets, uh, because that massive contract he's looking for, is just not going to happen. And I do feel bad for him because I think he was about to get some money after that Super Bowl. But unfortunately, injuries are part of the game. And when you deal with a severe injury like an ACL, you're just not going to see the money that you might have expected beforehand, even if your previous um, results and your previous statistics would justify a type of contract like that. Let me give you a number, Mike. You got to try to guess what this is. Um, twenty five hundred and twenty four. What do you think that number means? Twenty five hundred twenty four. Like two five two four. Two five two four. Uh I, I have no clue. Kev, Let's Kev, take a are, swing. You, are you talking about maybe his receiving yards the last three years he's played? I I, I don't know. Close. His career yak. He's a yak machine. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. 2,500 yards after reception in his career. It's a number that Bean has talked about ad nauseum lately in the last year. Now he kind of talks about it as rack, um, which is just a different way to say it, really. Um, just, just, you know, a little bit, you know, more trendy and, you know, might have a couple other variables. But 2,500 plus career yak. Um, it's a number that's great. Um, and 2.11 that 2.14, excuse me, yards per route ran. That's a really great number as well. What does that show me? He's getting separation. What do the Bills want? What does Josh Allen want out of his receivers? Speed and separation ability. Yes, going up and getting the ball is cool. High pointing the ball. All the receivers on the roster, including Gabe Davis, actually, can high point the ball. Gabe Davis uh, can can high point the ball. Uh, Stephon Diggs can high point the ball. Khalil Shakir has shown to be able to high point the ball. So can OBJ, one-handed as well as though he gets the separation, the bills aren't always looking for um, just, just guys that can go make plays in terms of like, Hey, winning jump balls, Josh Allen already throws enough jump balls and he gets criticized already for reckless plays and or interceptions. He wants guys that can separate the 2,500 yard career. He knows how to separate and he knows how to get yards yards after the catch uh, from a multitude of different routes can run the entire route tree. You don't see that often. Um, and he don't, he's just 30, you know, it's not someone that's 35, 34, you know, that might be toward the end of it all. Um, and Cole Beasley with older receivers. Let's be real. Yeah. When he brought in Cole Beasley and John older Brown, they were not young. Uh, yeah. th- those were guys that had some years underneath them. They're right around the 29, uh, 30 mark when they were just starting with the bills. So 
the washed up, I, I understand how it can feel that way because OBJ has been in the league for a very long time and mm-hmm. he has been uh, a focus uh, in the league for a very long time. But like you said, uh, I believe 30 going on 31 this year. And you, you look at Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs is uh, 29. He, Stephon Diggs is going to be 30 this year. So it, it really puts things in perspective. Yes, uh, OBJ is no spring chicken, but he's not some ancient version of Jerry Rice right now on uh, on the Raiders or the Seahawks. He, he's, he's still uh, young enough to where if he makes a full recovery from this ACL, there's still a realistic possibility he could play some solid football. The, the main thing is none of us know if he still has that left in him. We have not, none of us have seen him since that Super Bowl. So if the Bills go to a workout and they think that his uh, agility, his speed and quickness is still there, maybe it's worth the risk if they can get him on a fair deal. I'm not saying it's my option one. I know some of you guys are all mad at this OBJ talk. I, I honestly prefer one of the four standout wide receivers in the draft in the first round. I want one of those guys at 27. I would take those over OBJ every day of the week. But I'm not going to just shut the door on Odell Beckham Jr. in Buffalo if he was willing to come here on a deal that made sense for the Bills. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate the super chat. Uh, Terrell Edmonds in replace of Jordan Poyer. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that would be quite the turn of events. Um, And a lot of people said maybe get them both as a combo. Um, you know, I think that that could be a natural fit kind of more in line of the thing Mike was talking about a guy who might have a little more pedigree as a first round pick than maybe Jordan Poyer did coming into Buffalo off of a major kidney laceration, uh, in 2017, but really not a high end safety starter by any stretch of the imagination. He's a good box safety. He's taken some heat and coverage, uh, missed some tackles really similar to maybe how Jordan Poyer plays and played prior to the bills rebirth. So absolutely guy in the four to once again, in the four to $5 million range, maybe is sits into that mid tier that we were talking about earlier in this show. Definitely Terrell Edmonds could, could be a replacement as this thing turns over into tomorrow as they try to replace safety this week. Uh, Mike, what's your opinion on going the Terrell Edmonds route? I mean, anything is better than what we currently have, which is nothing at the position uh, behind Micah Hyde. So I'm okay with it. Uh, I just need someone back there right now. There's too much uncertainty. I'm not expecting some stud to take over for Jordan Poyer. I'm expecting regression at the position, um, regardless of who they bring in. And With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To be honest, I, I think that's fair to expect the uh, regression. You just had a Pro Bowl safety. And two years ago, you had a uh, first team all pro in Jordan Poyer and a second team all pro in Micah Hyde. So regardless of what they do, there's going to be a little bit of a drop off. The key is not having a substantial uh, drop off. So if you bring in a vet, that's probably better than plugging in a rookie right away, but uh, I'm okay with any options that, that bring at least some experience, some experience to the table. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's was always kind of in my plans to, uh, to look at Terrell Edmonds um, as a good replacement for Jordan Poyer. If they cannot figure out this, this weakening safety market as the slots are drying up. So just quite frankly, for all of these guys, who's going to pay Jordan Poyer? I don't know. Does that entertainment happen here soon? It very well could. Uh, they could really entertain something that maybe they didn't offer anything to this time, uh, but maybe that could change. As you look at Terrell Edmonds, he's a good, he needs a landing spot. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, another versatile safety. He needs a landing spot. That There's too many decent safeties out right now to worry about what Benford's going to do, what worrying about converting a corner is going to do at this stage. There is too many talented safeties out on the market to worry about who's going to transition from corner to safety. So let's, let's kind of take a, take a minute to think about that and say, there are, this is, this is still a very talented safety class. Linebackers have all been gobbled up. Those veterans need somewhere. Mike Bobby Wagner needs, needs a, needs a good team to play for. That's getting short. That's getting shorter. Levante David much wanting to return to Tampa can't go there. They need to go ahead and, and and he needs to find a spot as well on a playoff roster. Those are getting few and far between. The Bills can come calling and get some of these guys at an affordable rate. Uh, and some top-end guys. I mean, Bobby Wagner. Yeah, we've been saying that for the last month. We've yeah. been saying the last month with the Bills cap situation, it makes no sense to go into this and get into any bidding wars. To avoid any bidding wars, do not fall in love with any players there are enough guys out there. Be patient. Find people that provide value and fill the holes that way. Uh, I, I know we always talk about the salary cap is a myth and that it doesn't matter. This year is proof there that's not 100% real. You do sometimes have to make decisions with the cap in mind. That is why Poyer and Edmonds are not with the Bills at this current, current moment. Obviously, maybe there's a outside chance Poyer could always come back, but uh, you, you can't just push off and, and forget about the cap all the time. So uh, this year, be patient, get guys that are willing to come here on cheaper deals and just make piece it together and make it work. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be a, spe- a spectacular result, but in the end, I do think we're going to fill these gaps with guys that are going to be able to do the job and, not be horrendous, Kev. I think we're going to end up okay at both linebacker and safety when it's all said and done. I agree with you, Mike. I think the more interesting position and the more interesting uh, unit is still to talk about receiver, as I think that that's really where they want to improve. Yes, I think they're going to take a budget approach probably everywhere else on the roster. Um, But I do think that they need to improve at receiver. We talked about some of the trade candidates. We went, we, we went and picked like who we might want on this roster. Um, but a couple other free agent names that we haven't really talked about that much are Juju Smith-Schuster still out there. His counterpart, Nicole Hardman, DJ Chark, much talked about. Adam Thielen, 
So we talked about OBJ, um, um, Paris Campbell, Jarvis Landry, Marvin Jones to a lesser extent. Um, but then it, it weakens out. So um, there are still some free agent receivers. Only a few have signed. The top two really have signed. Um, and then OBJ sitting there as well. So draft is going to be somewhere where unless they get one of those top guys or one of the trade candidates, which the door's not closed there, uh, could happen. We'll be talking about receiver pretty extensively uh, the rest of the offseason. I mean, we're going to be talking about, you know, Jackson Smithing, Jigba. We're going to be talking about Jordan Addison. We're going to be talking about some of the other Zay, uh, Flowers. We're going to be talking about Josh Downs. We're going to be talking about some of the other top-end receivers here on this show uh, throughout the next month. So that's going to be a really a really fun time. The news is roaring in. There's been some, you know, some still. It's still happening. It's some big, big news. Um, you know, nothing yet to affect, affect us. Samson Ibacom, $27 million uh, with the Colts from the Niners. Uh, so there's definitely been some news roaring in. So this thing isn't even close to being done yet. And uh, Mike Gusecki is also out there as a power slot, not really a tight end slot receiver uh, to really you know, just tight end by name. Uh, doesn't really do anything in uh, with his hand on the ground. So he's an interesting uh, place to go. Is that a complete tight end market is wide open right now. They tried to get OJ Howard last year. Do you think they play in that again this year, Mike? Do you think that they uh, entertain any of these guys? I know last, I think last or a couple weeks ago, you said you thought they were going to go with a lesser guy. Um, is that how you still feel at tight end? Or do you think they're going to? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to entertain the tight end market. Okay. That was an experiment the last couple of years that didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knox is obviously good enough to be the number one. And I, I believe they, they like what they have in Quentin Morris. Obviously he's not uh, a standout, but uh, a decent developmental piece who got some time um, at moments last year. So I, I wouldn't be aggressive in attacking the tight end market at this point. Okay. There you have it. Um and as we kind of transition to kind of the last thing I want to talk about here on the, on our free agent uh, frenzy defensive line, we didn't really talk much at all about it. There's a lot of talk about Ed Oliver. Do we move him? We just extended, or I guess we just kind of w- maybe extend Daquan Jones. Uh, Von Miller got his restructure. Um, we'll see what week he's ready to go. It's interesting with the development of Greg Russo. We just kind of gave a pay cut to Tim Saddle, which means he's safe. What do you think needs to be done on the D-line, Mike? And does and does that involve moving Oliver and it's 10-5? I'm open that moves on the D-line. Obviously, uh, that's one of the glaring areas where they need more. Uh, and it's not even that the, the D-line is horrible. They're not horrible. I know that's perception that they're trash and that they don't get a pass rush. That's not true. They, they have gotten... Uh, a pass rush in recent years. Is it an elite level pass rush? No. The issue with the Bills is they don't get the pass rush in the big games when it matters. They're a pretty average unit overall. Uh, you, you look, you go into last year when Von Miller is healthy and the rest of the guys were there in Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver, D line was playing pretty solid football. That Von Miller injury changed everything. Uh, Miller was on pace for around 14, 15 sacks uh, before he got hurt. He was around a, a sack per game. Rousseau ended up the season, I believe, at eight or nine sacks, but he was dealing with a high ankle sprain uh, the last couple months of the season, was never the same guy late in the year as he was 
in the middle stages. But we would all agree that Rousseau is still a rising young player who has shown a lot uh, in his two years in Buffalo, one of the better run-stopping DNs uh, in football. Oliver is where the disappointment is because mm-hmm. you have invested in him as a top 10 pick. And we were hoping by the time he would get to his fifth year that he would be a truly elite player. That has not come to fruition to where now you're in the same position as you were with Edmonds a year ago, where you're left wondering, do we let him go into a contract year without a deal in place? And if he does great, he's probably leaving for a great deal. And if he doesn't do great, then you have to decide uh, if you want to pay him or anything. Daquan Jones was fantastic last year, probably the most underrated guy in the Bills defensive line. He faces doubles left and right, a high percentage, yet he actually has one of the better pass rush rates when he's getting uh, double teams. So Daquan Jones, based on the numbers, is tremendous. And it, the issue was behind them. You had Jordan Phillips dealing with injuries. You had uh, inconsistency from A.J. Epineza and Boogie Basham. Uh, you had Jack Lawson, who's more of a, a run stuffer, more of an edge than he is a pass rusher. So when you look at the Bills' defensive line, if you're just judging them from like a sack total, sack production, pass rush. Yeah, they're, they're not elite. They're still normally around 10 to 12 in that category, but they're not, they're not awful. And the people that say they're awful do look at it strictly from a pass rush perspective, which neglects how the Bills D-line for the most part is even built and how they're put together. Until Von Miller was in the fold, it was really kind of a, a defensive line that tries to boggle down the pocket. They're trying to get – hands in in the lanes. They're trying to uh, make the quarterback make tough decisions. It's not always about the sacks, but long story short, Kev, because I'm rambling, I am open to changes on the defensive line. I am open to them drafting someone in the day one, day two, depending on the situation of where certain players are falling on the board. Uh, It it can be improved. And the the biggest thing that needs to happen is – they need more consistency throughout a season and they have to stop fading in these important times late in the year. Defensive line has done great early in the season. The last couple of years, they fade late. Yeah. I think Eric Turner had some stats um, that he put in uh, one of our channels and uh, the D line actually didn't get much worse after Vaughn um, per all of the advanced pressure rates. So that was an interesting note that uh, the D line it, itself, the D ends uh, actually got better. Um, and uh, that was an interesting nugget that he was able to do. I think the DTs suffered uh, and we definitely need to see a little bit more from Tim Saddle. He's earning the decent amount of money. Uh, we need to see him increase his play, but at the same time, I just don't like, I am for trading at Oliver. I think he has that untapped potential. I really liked what the Bills were able to do, trying to get him on a decent deal. I don't hate that um, that that idea. And Tim Settle and his zero point eight three Raz, like just an unathletic player. Um, there's something to athletics where obviously, as you mentioned earlier in the show, I do believe teams have their own internal version of Raz. I do think that there's some um, really good value to it. Why recreate it when you could just make a phone call and say, Hey, give me all your Raz numbers. Um, so we can just not have to worry, take any company elements or time to, to have all this data. Uh, but I think that it's a really interesting 
thing that how much this athletic score is starting to really be a factor in potential or depth. It's yeah. You need to watch film. Like you don't just not turn on film. Like that's silly. Um, but I do think that there's turn on the film. Is he athletic? Does this number match up? And Tim settles just, he hasn't really played very well and his athletic score is terrible. Um, so we'll see if he can take the next step into this whole ordeal. Cause they need him to, but the main point of the D line is I can't chunk out the defensive tackles. I can't cut them all when we're already losing Tremaine Edmonds and potentially Jordan Poyer. We'll see what happens there. I can't just cut the entire down the middle of the field. Um, at some point, I did like the idea of extending out uh, at Oliver to see if he could get a deal. So we, I'm not in this situation next year when he's on a contract year and at Oliver and he gets 10 sacks, then what, then we're going to get told that, you, you know, you have a repeat of Marcel Darius in that instance yeah. where you have some big guy yeah. who has the potential to be elite and then you give him a hundred million dollars and then you never know if you're going to ever get that production ever again. Right. So that's, that, right. And you might not know if you're ever going to get it again, but this, or you are and you lost them. So like, you never, you know, you, you know, like just kind of like we're doing with admins, like, you know, we shouldn't have paid, we shouldn't have played Knox. Well, it'd kind of be reversed, but like, why would you let Knox go and middle linebacker? So replaceable, like, you know what I mean? So at some point we're not going to win. We've signed every till, till we lost admins yesterday, we have signed every single player and may even still, if in some in some way we can can get back Oliver with this or excuse me um, sign Oliver and get back Poyer with this soft safety market, we would have a lot, we would have kept every single player ever. Um, can I add something, Kevin? I, I don't even have an issue with them playing it safe because here's the thing: Brandon Bean is normally good with his convictions when he's extending yeah. players. He normally has a pretty decent track record with those guys. Uh, to this point in his Bills career as general manager, if you if you invest in a player, you give them a four or five year deal, and you give them all that money, and they turn out to be a colossal bust. That, those are the contracts that kill you when it comes to roster building in the future. I don't think Bean feels safe giving contract extensions for big money to guys that he does not have certainty that they're going to produce. So yeah, it, does it suck when you lose a guy like Edmonds for nothing? Absolutely. But if we would have had this conversation a year ago, should we extend Tremaine Edmonds right now, give him a, a four-year, $60 million contract? I bet you most of the fan base would have they said know. no. They would have said no. Point. I don't care and, what anyone which says. Which is what most of the fan base would be saying right now to giving Ed Oliver an extension. So while you could say it's not the best asset management, sometimes losing a player for nothing is better than giving a risky contract that will end up hurting your franchise for years down the line uh, if it doesn't end up working. And I, I know so, a lot of people won't agree with that that point, but especially when you're going to be up against the cap on a yearly basis because you have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback that's going to demand big money, you got to be a little bit more careful the way you put things together. And there's going to be times you're going to have to let good players walk uh, in order to – get where you need to be. And I know the bills probably went out there and tried to do the same thing and try to sell, sign Oliver for four for 40. Like, you know, they tried to do something like that where they were trying to get a very, a value um, paying out for potential, but at the same time uh, point paying what he could be and getting him at a value price. So uh, I, I, I can't blame Bean for considering doing that. Um, it's going to be an interesting transition here for Red Oliver. If we gave him like a final offer and he gets traded, if we try again in the summer 
or if we let him walk next year, which I don't think they do. I think that there's going to be a different solution this time around with that Oliver. Um, and, you know, admins went out there and did everything he could and did everything and checked all the boxes and got a better defensive tackle in front of him. Um, I just don't agree that it's easier to find middle linebacker or harder to find middle linebacker than it is a penetrating DT, a three tack or a pass catching versatile tight end who's gotten really good in blocking in Dawson Knox. I just don't agree that that's, that's an easy position, even though it's easy to say this year when it's maybe the best, best tight end draft ever. Um, there's six guys and that's six guys in the top 50 and that's more than, than ever before. But I just don't agree that it's easy to have those guys look Darren Waller still getting traded. He hasn't done anything in two years. Um, so the moves are roaring in Mike. We really appreciate everybody spending an hour and a half with us here on the going deep podcast on the cover one sports network sponsored by sons of Erie. We really appreciate all of you being here. We're going to be back here next Tuesday at seven o'clock, breaking down some of these moves that we may or may not make. Is there a big deal coming? We are hoping to maybe get one on air here. We are hoping to maybe go through some stuff. I do believe it. I do believe there's one big move in the, in the cards as well as um, some small moves at safety and other positions too. So stay tuned for what the bills are able to do. We have the, uh, we have nine o'clock show coming on with ant. Uh, he'll be with, uh, with you guys, but we really appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we really look forward to what this network's going to do. Nine o'clock here, got cover one Buffalo tomorrow. Uh, check out our spaces. You can catch me and some of my team on spaces. AJ's on spaces. Producer AJ will be on spaces. Uh, Mike's too good for them, but you can catch, <laughs> you can catch, uh, you can catch some of our team. Eric popped in with some good details. Uh, I know Chris Kepner's in spaces. Aaron Quinn does spaces on Friday mornings, uh, cover one in friends. So please check out. And then all of our great written contact uh, from Uber who has had the tracker, please check out the tracker. That's really cool. We have a live Bills tracker up on cover one. Uh, so check that out. Uh, and we have some great written content from Greg Morse and the entire team. So we got you covered everywhere. And then the premium Slack, amazing. Some of the best sports content out there, Bills related. Make sure you check us out premium content um, to get into the Slack channel, which is fun as well. And Greg did a show um, with some people who were popping in and out, I believe, but he did his Very own good. cap He special. did a salary cap Break down for premium content. Things. People, you right? need to know what does restructuring mean. How do how does he know all these numbers way before they come out? Uh, reworking things, projections, all that stuff. So you got to become a premium member of Cover One in order to access that content. Highly recommend it. Even people like me and Kev are watching that stuff to to learn more about uh, the ins and outs of things. So uh, definitely recommend that. Like our channel, like this show. It helps us. The algorithm helps provide better content to all of you guys. So uh, smash that like button. Uh, appreciate all the comments and uh, everyone watching tonight. Yeah. Uh, Sabres, we do Sabres uh, live shows too. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Ant and Chris, I pop in there sometimes. They do live uh, Sabres and reactions and everything. And um, it's really cool to check them out live uh, as well. So check out for our Sabres watch parties as that season's coming to a roaring end as well. But we're going to be with you here next Tuesday, and all the Cover One channel is going to have you covered um, the entire week of this thing. We're going to be everywhere, inside and outside of Twitter, inside and outside of our blog, inside and outside of Slack. So make sure you stay tuned to everything we got coming for you and all of our shows. And all we, Obviously, we'll make clips, and Eric had a good one yesterday on McGovern, so check that out as well. Um, so 
love this time of year. It is a great time of year, and we're getting the draft soon, but we still got a lot of work to do free agency. I got my notes here, so there's still plenty of work to do for the Bills. And I'm not one of those people who thinks this team that's competing for a championship is done. I do not believe that. I do not believe for one second uh, that they're not going to make a competitive move uh, on offense that might set them over the edge. So we'll stay tuned for all of that news and all of those updates that could come with you shortly. Uh, But from Kevin Masseri, Mike Bunt, producer AJ running in the background, and the Going Deep podcast, Cover One Podcast Network, sponsored by Sons of Erie. We will check you guys right here, 7 o'clock. Stay tuned for Ant here in 30 minutes, but we'll talk to you guys later. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down. Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.